Hi everyone, it is moi. Okay. Hi, this is Catalina and welcome to the Connected Adventist Podcast. On today's episode, on today's podcast, I am going to continue talking about shame. And the reason why I'm going to continue talking about shame is because clearly that one hour episode that I have just done was not enough to cover all the things that I wanted to speak. But the truth of the matter is, I actually forgot I was supposed to mention this particular point. And I honestly did not feel comfortable leaving the shame topic without specifically talking about these points. So you just get a double episode on shame. Um, yep, let's get into this episode. All right, so I don't know if I can actually remember everything that I spoke about in that episode. So if I do repeat myself, I'm sorry, but that's just how bad my memory is. But what I do know and what I do remember is that I did not mention these two uh, types of shame. Um, And I think as we go along, my podcasts are going to be probably a bit more, um, I don't know what even to call it, but uh, you're going to see a lot of my social work and human behavioral science studies coming through on my podcasts. One Okay, firstly, it's not to make it sound like I know what I'm talking about, because trust me, I don't. So if you are a social worker or if you have studied behavioral science and you're like, this kid does not know what she's talking about. It was actually this and that. That's fine. I I agree with you. Um, As a first year uh, social work student, I know I probably don't, haven't completely grasped all these concepts, but what I, why I am feeling impressed to just share the things that I'm learning on the podcast is because it actually helps me remember and it just helps me. So even on my personal Facebook, I'm actually, um, yeah, writing posts that have to do with what I'm studying because if there's something that I'm not quite getting, when I get it, I like to write a post about it so that it's in my head. Uh, I'm just one of those people that I learn better the more that I share or the more that if I write something to do with the particular concept that I'm trying to learn, um, it just helps me. So I'm actually doing this for myself, not for you. <laughs> Let's just be just be honest with you like that. Um, I want to share what I'm learning on the podcast because it actually helps me. I've even considered like doing a mock podcast just for my own studies where I am recording myself teaching what I've learned in my lecture. And then I was like, you know what? I probably could make like a Christian social work podcast or something, but let's not do that because my life is pretty full on as it is. But okay, let's get into what I'm supposed to be talking about right now. But before I say that, just again, and just so you can see how bad my memory is, I don't know if I've let everyone know, I have a YouTube channel. I know I did a little bit of a ministry plug on last week's episode or the week before. I don't know which one it was. But anyway, I did mention my ministries. I actually don't remember if I mentioned the YouTube channel. So I thought I'd give you... I I thought I'd mention it. I do have a YouTube channel. Um, It is specifically targeted at non-Adventists. So... Yeah, it's called the SDA Insider, and I'm basically trying to break YouTube's algorithms and provide um, more positive 
videos about the Seventh-day Adventist church. And yeah, so I'm just making videos just to answer people's most commonly asked questions about the Seventh-day Adventist church on YouTube and Google. Yes, so that's what I'm doing. So I would really appreciate if you guys can just give some likes to some videos. Um, give it a like just because you know it's me if you don't want to watch the whole video. Um, I actually think I might prefer you not watching the videos because it's still super embarrassing. Um, but that's okay because we'll just do whatever we have to for the G like for the gospel and for Jesus. But if you give the if you give video likes, if you subscribe to my channel and if you comment, uh, the more comments that videos get, the more um, that the, the YouTube moves them up on algorithms, which means that when people look for anything to do with Adventist on the little recommendation tab thing on the right, my videos are more likely to get put in those recommendations if they get a lot of engagement. So I'm, I am, I am praying for 144,000 subscribers. So I think I've got like 90 I don't even check because I just don't check stuff like that for insecurity reasons, but I think it's like 90, but I would love to get to 144. I feel like that would be like, God, thank you. So yeah, if you could continue to help, thank you to the 90 something subscribers that I think that I've already um, done that. I don't even know the 90. So um, there's like a handful of people that I actually know and the rest is just, yeah, God's blessing. Okay, let's get into this topic before we just do like a 20 minute intro. Okay, so there are two things that I wanted to talk about and I was actually discussing this quite briefly with one of my friends um, during the week and it was about shame. And one thing that that she specifically bought, asked me and hold on, let me, she listens to the podcast. So let me not, <laughs> let me not, um, tell you what she messaged and message it incorrectly. So, um, hold on, let me just scroll till I find that. But, uh, she listened to the podcast and then she messaged me and she's like, Hey, what do you think? Do you think, okay, ready? This is it. So she said, do you think shame imposed by society gets mixed up with guilt that leads to repentance and a better life? So what I want to talk about is um, why is there shame? And I don't really think I spoke about it. I hope I didn't. In the public corporate way of dealing with sin specifically. And I think I'm more related it to our personal shame that we have with God rather than, oh, hold on, let's look at the other factors that contribute to the shame. It's not just our own shame um, that we may be feeling or that we may be experiencing. But usually, not only is that shame attached to maybe a false idea of how we see God looking at us in our sin, through our sin, after and before our sin, but rather, hey, there are some other factors that contribute to us feeling this shame. It's not just our perception of how God sees us. So there is a, so in my social studies, there is this, they talk about uh, what creates norms, norms in society or what what is basically what is basically seen, this is where my <laughs> social study people, you might just want to 
skip until I get over this terrible first year um, explanation of this concept. But so you have norms, which are basically things that society values. Uh, they are expectations. There are um, things. One example that they give regularly is like when you meet someone, you usually give them a handshake. Like that is a norm, a societal expectation. Then you have mores. I don't even know if that's mores. And so they are more important um, or there is a higher expectation for you to abide by these things. Then there is norms. Okay. So mores are things that are legislated. Uh, they you can get, it's, it's a law, it's enforced uh, usually by the police or some sort of authority. Uh, so you have those and then you have uh, folkways. So folkways are basically things, for example, um, I don't know. Uh, for some people, folk a folkway would be putting your knee, putting your knees, putting your elbows on the table when you're eating. Like it's not a societal value or something that is really important for society, but some people think that you shouldn't put your elbows on the table. So that's a folkway. So in order for us to determine what are norms, what are mores, and what are folkways society determines that. So when Christianity was the dominating um, authority or the dominating maybe structure that gave society its morality, its standards, its beliefs, then our norms, our mores and our folkways, they were all related quite closely to Christian values or Christian principles. Now, the reason why I wanted to bring that up is because there is this idea of anyone that is outside of those standards of what is norm or classified normal or what makes up the superior group in society, which generally becomes then the authority of that society because they have the domination, like they dominate in terms of power and all those sort of things. Um, when someone steps out of that, they are classified as deviant or their behavior is uh, deviant. So in order to deal with that, so I'll give you the example, someone who doesn't want to shake your hand, um, you may make a statement and be like, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's normal for you to want to shake someone's hand or I don't know what it is, but you would make it obvious that that person has actually not complied with societal expectations so what would then happen is in order to control and in order to avoid deviant behavior society then brought about uh, different discourses which is just a fancy way of saying like consequences or negative consequences uh, to specific behaviors um, so what became in order to deal with deviant behavior, people were had discourses or it was also called deterrence. So in order to deter people from having or partaking in deviant, deviant behavior, they were given some sort of consequence. And it was usually, you know, either like jail or whatever it was. Now, historically, when people committed a crime, the punishment always came in a very public way. Now, I honestly, I'm just, I get so excited when I see like the things that I'm studying in my social work and social theories and uh, human, 
human service processes and my other subject is um, equity and diversity. When I see principles that they're teaching me and I see it in the Bible, I'm like, yes. I'm like, God, I knew you knew this before they all knew it. Um, I'm like, uni's got nothing on you. Now, the perfect example of this is the crucifixion. Okay, so that was a form of punishment for deviant behavior, the deterrence so that people didn't step out of the norm was let's get these people, we'll strip them naked and we'll hang them on a cross. And just so you know, the crime that they committed was placed on top of their head. So when Jesus had that um, plate put above his head saying uh, the king of kings, that was the conviction. That was like the criminal record that was given to Jesus. He claimed to be the king of king of the Jews. Um, so the the way that society most commonly deterred people from stepping out of the norm was very public punishment or public shaming. I remember reading in one of the books, um, I believe they're called stocks, which is basically this thing. It's like a timber and I'm sure we would have seen it somewhere. Um, And so what they would do is they would put the prisoner in stocks, which is these timber things where you stick your head and you stick your um, hands through and you sit it there. I don't even know how to really explain it properly. But anyway, you stick your head through and you stick your hands and then they lock this timber on top of you and you just have to stand there with your head through this these two pieces of, of, of wood that have been carved out so that your neck fits in there and your wrists fit in there. And they was that the punishment was they had to be there a certain amount of time, whatever it was at the crime that they committed, they were then punished according to that. So basically there was a degree of shame that was attached to any behavior that wasn't classified the norm. Now, the reason why I want to bring this out and in regards to the topic um, that I discussed earlier this week is that I believe within Christianity, we have made, I believe, and I could be wrong, this is my opinion, this is what I think I have observed, so whatever. Um, I believe that we have made people's sin such a public thing that it naturally comes attached with shame because we have made it such a public thing. Now, I want to also be really sensitive that if it is made public with a desire to help the person, I think that that's very different. To seek com- like counsel and support and... Yeah, someone to help lift you back up after sin, during sin, whatever the process is where you are in your spiritual walk with regards to whatever sin is in your life right now. If the sin is public with the desire to help that person, then I think that that there is a place for that. But if we make the sin public because there is a lack of understanding, because there is just, we just want to gossip, we just want to talk about did you know that that's what they did? Did you know that that's where they went or whatever it is? You know, they, they, they said that. I think that's when we have to be really careful. So there are two terms that are given to shame um, through my studies, which my studies for that particular topic is, let me think, 
I'm, I get so confused with all the stuff that I'm learning. I don't even know which subject it is. Okay, that's social theory. Um, so the two terms are stigmatized to shame, which is placing a permanent label on a person. Now, I will give you... Um, okay, let me give you this example. Okay, so maybe let's say we have... I don't even want. I don't even like giving examples because I just think sometimes it just, it just. I don't know. I, f- I feel like it just is basically affirming this idea and, and encouraging it. But let's say um, there was a Christian person. They, whatever for whatever reason in their journey, they went and started using drugs. Okay, they've come out of that. They've you know, given that to God, surrendered it. They're no longer in that. How many years does it take before we stop seeing that person as a drugo, like a drug user? Like how long do we allow stigmatized shame to label that person for their sin? Um, whatever, if, if someone was, I don't know, I'm just going to give you, even a murderer, like if someone murdered someone let's just give, or committed adultery, how long is that person going to be labeled a murderer or an adulteress? Like for how long does that label carry on? So stigmatized shame is basically identifying a person based on their deviant behavior of what is classified Christian norms or Christian mores, things that we would punish or things that we would sort of be like, no, that was way too serious. And the problem with stigmatized shame, and they've actually found, you know, they've done a lot of studies into how people have responded. And again, biblical principle coming out. Um, There is power in words and there is death in our words. And they have found that when people have experienced stigmatized shame for a single incident uh, or even for a, a period in their life, when they are continually referred by that incident, by that chapter of their life that season they are then labeled as that permanently and it takes so long for the person to be seen as something other than their deviant behavior that they have found that it is actually harder for the person to stop identifying themselves with their deviant behavior than what it is if they had have just been what is the other option? Um, it's reintegrative. I think that's what it was. Reintegrative. It was reintegrative. Close enough. Reintegrative stigmatize. No, not even that. Reintegrated shame. That's what it is. Okay. That is a different thing. Now. I still don't know if I completely agree with that, but I'm just making the parallels between the two. So they have found with studies when um, we are trying to reintegrate people, I'm going to continue saying that, reintegrate people into society. The way that that one works is, okay, person has committed a deviant behavior, a crime, an offense, they've stepped out of societal mores and norms. They're going to have a punishment. There is going to be a negative consequence for their behavior. However, once that is served, once that is done, once that is experienced, it's a clean slate. So they give the example of, you know, someone serving time in jail. 
Once they've served time in jail, there is no criminal record um, of that. Now, there are obviously criticisms of that or critiques with regards to the fact that um, there are certain crimes where it's actually not safe to necessarily have a blank record. For example, one of the things is um, like child sex offenders. So they will say, you know, yeah, we can we can take that off their record, but does that serve the best for society in general? Like, is that does that label need to stay with that person in order to to be a safeguard for everyone else? So there are issues where that really doesn't necessarily always apply, or that always is the best option. But even in saying that, how long do you call a pedophile a pedophile? And, and that's where it becomes tricky. But whatever, let's not go there. Because uh, I know um, that's really sensitive um, and, you know, obviously there's a lot of people that have been victims to abuse and molestation. So let's not go there. But that that's pretty much the theory. And how I'm bringing that around is how long do we label someone by their sin and expect for them to find some sort of, I don't know if it's even peace, but to feel like they have experienced redemption. How long is that record going to be carried around if they have repented and if they they are sincerely seeking God to help them, to free them from whatever it is their deviant behavior is um, or whatever we classify as that. So I do believe that there is an element in which the Christianity and the church have actually created an even deeper and more profound level of shame for Christians and I think when the church is able to process and deal with sin in a more redemptive way in a more I feel like grace abiding way then I don't think there will be so much of the stigmatized shame. And again, not exactly as the definition of what I'm, what I'm studying, but I do believe that some people have to keep carrying around the shame that is attached to their past, attached to a season of their life, and maybe attached to sincerely a, a mistake. And maybe it was a bad call on their part. Um, but how long do we carry and and label that person by that? And what impact does that have on the person? And I think until we get to a place where we can sincerely look at our brothers and our sisters within the church and say, you know what, like I'm struggling in my own way. Let me not place any shame on you because you struggle in a different way. I think we're going to really struggle to provide the safe space that we would like where we can just be there for people, um, where we can be open with people and, and it's okay to be open with them. You know that one, it's not going to be told to half of the church. Gossip is one, I, I believe gossip is one of the biggest um, contributing factors to public shame within Christianity and within church. Uh, but gossip, we're a, a safe place where they, that won't be existing, that, you know, you know that 
the person that you shared that with or the group that you shared that with is able to be trusted with that information, uh, that you can actually seek for them to have you in prayer so that they can pray for you once you have confided in them um, and also that they can keep you accountable uh, for whatever it is your sin is, you know, there's varying sins and, you know, sometimes it's it's the really personal, intimate stuff that is the hardest to sort of try and find, um, yeah, support in. Um, but in addition to that, I think also by having people that you can trust with your experience and with your struggles, someone that you know can pray for you and have you in prayer. And then thirdly, uh, to have people who can keep you accountable, who can in one way or another help you um, in your battle by being that person who can be like, how was your week? How was your struggle? Uh, were there moments where, you know, you felt that it was hard or and whatever it is, like obviously um, different, different sins in our life and different temptations obviously call for different ways of um, seeking support. But yeah, I do believe that church has done a great job at creating shame on Christians and not giving them a community in which they can actually seek help for in their sin and through their sin um, with their temptations but rather we are we are pub publicly crucifying people for their sin, not understanding that that's not what we should be doing. Um, our place is to be as sincere and as transparent with each other and understand that that person may sin in that way. They may be tempted in that way, but you know what? I'm tempted in another way. Um, I sin in another way. But let me just be there for you so that we can help each other out. And I think the more that we can do that, and as I have um, been able to be in contact with people online that have reached out to me uh, through this podcast, uh, as they have shared with me things in their journey, um, I honestly am so thankful for the opportunity to be able to be there for them. I may not be able to give them any advice. I may not be able to give them the answer or the solution that they're hoping for. Um, they may not even be asking me for that anyway. Um, but to just know that they can count on me to be there when they need to be transparent like that has honestly been one of the biggest blessings. And I believe that um, as it has blessed both of us, uh, the people that are sharing with me and for me to be able to be there for them, um, it has actually been a blessing for me. There have been people uh, that I have been able to confide in uh, with my own stuff and with my own struggles. And it has just really been such a, such a I don't know like such an uplifting experience in the midst of something that would be very hard to find uplifting as we confess our struggles to each other and as we speak about certain things um, I've just found that people have just really felt encouraged um, in the midst of our shame and our convictions and whatever it is that we're going through we have been able to finish our dialogue feeling really uplifted and feeling extremely hopeful for ourselves and for each other and for what God has to offer. So, okay, that's me, 27 minutes. <laughs> I'm like, let me keep going on and on. But yes, I do believe that within the church, we have actually placed an even heavier uh, load of shame 
rather than really helping people as they're experiencing conviction we actually haven't been there to support them and to help them as they journey through that conviction or that repentance uh, when someone comes and confesses to you and and they're crushed their spirit is crushed because of whatever it is that they're going through um, and all we want to do is just be like well that was your fault well, you chose that, or why did you do that, or did have you not read what the Bible has to say and the spirit of prophecy? Um, I think when we're not there just to help them process all that, rather than let me make you feel even filthier and let me you feel shame, let me let me pile on a little bit of extra shame because this that that one is a big sin that needs you know an extra ten loads of shame added to it. Um, I don't think that's what God has called us to. And if we're not sensitive and able to discern when a person is experiencing repentance and to not walk them through that, guide them through that, knowing that it is actually the best place to be um, after sin, then, yeah, I, I believe we can actually do a lot more damage than good. Okay, so that's my next episode. So just so you know, it is Friday. It is 9.25 p.m. and the date today, just for my international listeners, is the 14th. So I am about to finish this recording. I will put in the intro-outro music and I will be publishing it tonight. Uh, just so you guys can have it before our new episode on Monday. Alright, Connected Fam, good night, good evening and goodbye. Uh, thank you for joining as I continue... Um, or as I finish speaking about the things that I have sort of hashed out with God with regards to shame. All right, until Monday, my prayer, my hope, and my desire is that you stay warm in God's love, stay cool for Jesus' name, and may we continue um, in a journey that is uplifting in the midst of the shame, guilt, repentance, conviction, whatever stage you are at in your spiritual walk. Um, yeah, I just pray that the Holy Spirit may guide us to be in the place that God would want us to be. Okay, goodbye, farewell.